Hashem to keep them satiated with at least three talks a week. <laughs> well, you know, satsang or non-duality means not two, yeah? It's more of a negation. It doesn't mean there's anything called non-duality. It just means there's not two. Yeah. yeah. See, that's a point. See, but so basically it's just pointing at something and saying not so. But it doesn't mean that that infers it's pointing at something that is so. It's just nothing, yeah? So it's a negation. I like that because I find when people say they're going to non-duality meetings, where? Where are they? <laughs> There's nowhere to go to a non-duality meeting. <laughs> it's, cause it's, it's more just a negation. So this is um, the way I like to look at it maybe today. I don't know. It changes. <laughs> is that it's more of a seeing in a sense what you're not and then in that recognition of what you're not sooner or later the recognition of what you're not will go on what's seeing that yeah so i would say you and i are the seeing of what you're not we can't see what we are obviously because that would mean we would be something that sees something else yeah so whatever seeing can't be seen Whatever hearing can't be heard, whatever feeling can't be felt, whatever's tasting can't be tasted, yeah? whatever conceiving can't be conceived of. So there's a point of of extreme limitation, which where in, from where we start from. Yeah. So it's in a sense admitting or accepting that limitation is what leads to not doesn't lead to it, but then the unlimitedness is revealed. But when the limitation is attempting to know the unlimitedness, it just all it does is exasperates its limitation. Yeah? It's like, you know, it's like self, the, the small s, the feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That idea of self, let's say if I'm sitting here feeling like I'm Paul, yeah? I'm not saying that it doesn't need, that there isn't a feeling that I'm Paul, but let's say there's a complete agreement that the that I am Paul, yeah, sitting here. So there's a feeling that I am Paul, and there's a complete agreement with that. That I am Paul, as best as you can be. If that's the case, that's the end of a pro- of a, a process. You're starting from the end of a mental process. The feeling of being you was produced by a mental process, yeah. So if that feeling of being you is established, where you believe to be the Alpha and Omega, which is you, is maybe the step eight of a, an eight-step process. Yeah? The mental process just produced this idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It claims the act of conscious contact and says that it's conscious, and so on and so forth. And then there's the feeling of ownership or being the pro, uh, proprietor or the haver of life. Yeah? If that feeling's in place, you're basically the product of a mental process. You know, so that product of the mental process can't get out of the mental process that produces it. Yeah, so self can't get out of self. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, I was look. We were talking about the other night. There are so many uh, processes and practices and and philosophies that are there with an implied or or a covert covert like intention of leading you out of self so to speak yeah why haven't they been extremely successful thousands of people today are doing tons of different things to get out of self yeah they're shopping they're having sex maybe they're eating something they're drinking coffee da 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 there's a drive they're going to talks like these 
why isn't that all of that effort that successful? Yeah. I mean, they're incredibly skillful means. There's a esoteric Kabbalah. There's tons of things that they bring mathematics into it. They tons and tons of stuff. But if they were a factory, they would have been closed down. They're not producing any goods, really. No one seems to become free from this bondage of self. Well, my feeling is you can't get out of something that you're not in. You know? You're inherently not in the, the, the feeling. You're not in as we're feeling we're in, that feeling of being self. So if you're not in it, then any way and any method of trying to get out of it fails. Yeah, because it just reinforces the sense that you were in it. Yeah? And I really believe that urge to get out of it is actually the activity of being in self. That drive to get out of self is really the activity of what you'd call being in self. Yeah? Because if you would stop and you would land in that forbidden place of being in self, you realize it ain't bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't provoke any desire to get out. Yeah? When you're, it's only a mental place you're trying to escape from. And if you're trying to escape from a mental place, that's the prison of the mental place. The prism is based on escaping. Yeah? It's not based on a sentence that you're inhibited and put in and incarcerated. It's based on escaping from it. Yeah? That's the prism. This drive, this urge to get out of something that we're not in. And the same way that there's a lot of people that are trying to get into what they can't be out of, which is a moment. There's no freaking way you're going to be out of a moment in your own life, ever. It's, it's an impossibility. Yet there's, there's, tons, there's books and signed up things that you can five-year subscription of how to get really, really into a moment. And then after two years, how to really, really, really get into the moment. And they just like turbocharge this fallacy because you can't be out of a moment. Yeah, that's the solution. The solution is the problem's imaginary. Then there's a pause. There's a pause of what? That incessant generation of seeking to get out of something that you're not in. And when there's a pause, you realize that forbidden zone of being in it is actually the solution to all that incessant seeking to get out of it. Because that's what I feel you're looking for, is you want relief from the incessant seeking of trying to get out of something you're not in. Yeah? If you let it be just the way it is, it would, it would reveal itself not to be you. If you keep trying to push it away, it's more you than ever. Yeah? It's just the way mind works. In is out, out is in. You know, Entrance is exit, but they always lead back to the same hallway of shit and pans. Yeah? You never get out of that gauntlet of trying... <laughs> I mean, I know people, I've met people here that have been enlightened three times this life. I mean, which is going to be the lucky charm? The fourth one? They go on and on and on. They get an incredible event, but it's not enough. They want to move on to a, a more incredible event. Maybe it would be better if they'd hunkered down and just let it become normal and not so glamorous and not so explosive. And they'd see that the freedom, the transcending point is being here. Because how can you transcend something that's imaginary? It's impossible. Yeah? How can you get out of something that you can't be in? That's the feeling of being in it. Is that incessant imperative to get out. Yeah? This is like, uh, if I'm not that, 
if I'm not that which is driven to get out, yeah, find out. Find out what it's like to not be that which is driven to get out. Yeah? Find out. You ever hear the word pause? P, not pause like P A W S. Pause. P A U S E. I'm from the program, I'm from recovery, and pause is a big word in there. Because pause is how the life of an addict and, uh, and drunk is facilitated to really change. Yeah? In other words, the mental winds of alcoholism start blowing, and yet there's a, a sense of a pause that stills that wind. And then the incredible wind of all winds, which is stillness, becomes the overemphasized or the most influential aspect. Yeah? All those winds that huff and puff and threaten to blow the house down, there's a huge wind that is so huge it's still. That's what you start accessing. And that and it and it's when it's blowing, how it blows, it's a pause. Yeah? There's a stillness. There doesn't seem to be any movement whatsoever. And yet it quiets all that other yapping going on. And in that pause anything is possible. It's like a, a timeless moment in this linear story. And the amount of downloads that can happen in what would look like a half a second in time, because it's timeless, you, a huge amount of information can download in like what would be a blink of the eye. And that information has the ability to totally change the direction of your little action figure life. Yeah. That pause. That pause to me is the is the closest expression to of what we are here, is that pause. The pause produces a relief from what we're not, and then there's a sense of what you are in that relief, but not as what you're not. Yeah? You're never going to get the experience of your own absence. That's why people do. They, they, they really want the experience of their, of their own absence, but they want to be there to have the experience of their own absence. You can't, it doesn't work that way. Yeah? <laughs> that curiosity, that incredible little object that you're very interested in and attentive to is dismissed, literally, completely, timelessly, because it was never so. Yeah? That's why it's such a radical solution. It doesn't take time to break down which what, what was never so. It just takes timelessness to reveal it. Yeah? You can't have it revealed in time. It can express, the revelation can be expressed in time as you're living it, but the revelation is timeless. It doesn't come from a process or a procedure. A process or a procedure in time is not going to evoke the timelessness. The timelessness may use that procedure as an expression, but it's not going to be provoked by it. Yeah? That's the beauty of it. And when, when it drops in, it's so clear and so clean, like a very sharp knife, it just cuts so cleanly what is and what isn't. Yeah? And then there's a seeing of what you're not. Yeah? You see it as a phantom. The seeing of what you're not is truly seeing nothing, and that's what you are. Yeah? Instead of every time a thought is, is seen, it's held as I'm the thinker of it. Yeah? So every thought is like sort of inferring there's a thinker. Like a, a shoe is just a shoe, but now it's my shoe. That identification as the owner of the shoe, then the shoe, every time I put my attention on a shoe, it points to the one who has the shoe. Yeah? Every time the attention is put on a thought, it's pointed to the thinker of the thought. Every time attention lights on a feeling, it's actually used to point to the one who has the feeling. 
This is called the obsession. This is called the loop of self-importance. Yeah, everything that's everything that is brought to our attention through conscious contact is claimed by our mental process, and now it becomes ours. The body, my body. Time, my time. Feelings, my feelings. Look at the difference between a feeling and a my feeling. It's huge. Yeah, feeling. All right. And even less influential is your feeling. <laughs> your feeling, I could care less. Feeling, oh yeah, maybe. My feeling, unbelievable attention. Yes? Your feeling, ah, fuck it, you know. I hate, I'm sorry you're having a bad day, but it has absolutely no effect on me. My feeling, unbelievable. I'm fucking paralyzed on Saturday. You can, let me tell you about my feeling. It just stopped me in my tracks. It sounds just like my feeling. No, that's your feeling. That has no power. My feeling. Yeah? See it. See the movement of the mind through identification as, through owning, through claiming, how it uses everything that consciousness is in contact with to reflect this phantom Paul. Yeah? And it's that phantom Paul that's causing the suffering. Because life is happening, but when the phantom Paul is in place, life is happening to me. And the phantom Paul has tons of opinions why it shouldn't be happening that way. Yeah? It never, never embraces and accepts. It always judges and compares. Yeah? This shouldn't be happening to me. Why is this happening to me and not to Chris? It goes on and on and on and on. You have to realize why that symphony starts is in the first note, the claiming. Yeah? As soon as that note goes unseen and my is the first bell, then there's a huge symphony passes for hour upon hour upon hour. And you're not going to change that tune unless you see the first note, the act of being identified. Because you'll be extremely interested in that song, even though you've heard it thousands of times, when it's yours. Yeah? It's the my of it. It's the identification as it and with it that sets the mind up for its attention and interest, which is available now to go into there and then. Watch it. It's right there to see. It shows it. It's so blatantly sure of itself, it reveals its whole mechanism right every freaking day. With one little example, you can see the principle of its whole endeavor. Yeah. It's not rocket science. You see it. What's the first movement? Claiming. Yeah. What's the first movement of something that doesn't have a life is to claim it. Yeah. It doesn't have one, so it has to claim. That's its incessant habit. Once it claims and calls it yours or mine, everything changes. Just like if you were sitting in a park and there was 30 kids in the park, your attention and interest would go to the one that was yours, yeah? That's where it would go. It would go to yours. That's exactly what it's like. A thought is just a thought until it becomes yours. Then it becomes an unbelievable clarion call for more thoughts, yes? The one thought that's claimed beckons many more just like it, and then a story gets formed. Yeah? And as soon as a story gets formed, it's like cellophane is going around your consciousness, your awareness, and you can still see, but it's very, very distorted, yeah? Because every every piece of, of the saran wrap is clear, but if you put 50 layers on, it's going to be pretty dense, yeah? It's going to be pretty distorted. Things are going to be muted. Things are going to be left up to conjecture, and that's what conditional mind does. It makes up a story about this life. 
all the while there's conscious contact right now. The invi- if you want to call anything love here, that's what love is. It's, in, it's constantly offering the solution to a perceived dilemma. Every moment before the mental process can claim anything, there's consciousness in contact. That's why I would feel Buddha said, when you see, see. When you hear, hear. When you feel, feel. When you taste, taste. When you touch, touch. Because if anything happens after that, it's made up, really. Yeah? The hijack has already happened. That's the conscious contact. As soon as there's the feeling of you as being the one who's in the contact, the story ensues. Yeah. There's no story without an author. You gotta maybe look at the author page. The author is MY. Yeah. The ghostwriter is always assumed and inferred and pointed at by the identification as, yeah. The bottle is a bottle, but my bottle can tell a whole freaking story. Oh, my bottle. <laughs> it's incredible. So there is a solution. The problem's imaginary. Yeah? I think the great path is not going anywhere, to tell you the truth. The great process is not to do any more fucking processes, maybe for a little while. The great path is pathless. You don't ever get on one. left with it all. See what happens. See if that avalanche ever occurs. In recovery, in alcoholism, to me, is a parasitical mind, you know? A parasitical uh, aspect of mind. It doesn't have a life, so it gloms onto an, an opportunity to have a life, yeah? That parasitical tendency... And a lot of times in people who are in addiction, they're, they're in a, on a very deep level of denying they're addicted, yes? They're constantly in the process of making up a story of why they're different and unique. And so a mental denial that you're not that, let's say if you heard this message, yes? And you could say, well, and you're suffering from alcoholism. I get calls from people who are, they need to be in a freaking program, you know, like a 24-7 program, and yet they're they have a hope that they're going to keep entertaining they're not an alcoholic while they're living at their mother's house when they're 44 years old. They're totally bankrupt. They've got liver disease, but they're not that, you know? It's fucking sad in a way. But in here, in alcoholism or addiction, and they're just extreme examples of many forms of addiction, yeah? There's a mental denial of something that you don't want to be. Let's say, like, you don't want to be a fraud, let's say. But then if you don't want to be a fraud, you're going to feel like one thousands of times, don't you? If there's that urge not to be something, you tend to feel as if you are that a lot, a lot of times. So here's this mental denial of I'm not that. But when you're denying that you're not that, you're more of that than ever. You're like a full-blown active alcoholic when you're saying you're not. It's when you go, okay, I'm going to let all this shit I, I really don't want to be land. Yeah. And in a way, I'm going to say, that's what I am. I am completely a taker. I'm a completely a user. I'm worthless. Whatever all the ideas you've had that you've been attempting to run from. And you let it hit you. And it's almost like a collapse. What occurs is, the secondary aspect of it is, I'm not that. 
See, you were acting as if you were by denying it. When you allow it to be so, it shows its real nature. You're not that. But it will never be able to show its real nature if you keep trying to make it not that. Yeah? When you keep trying to get out of it, it gives it a sense of being in. Yeah? Its reality is given by our own minds. And it doesn't matter if it's a really overt, obvious trying to get out of it or a subtle one. It feeds on both. Yeah? That's why I love it says the self can't get out of self. It's so beautiful. Because here's the self trying to get out of self. So let's say you study two years about the obsession with self. That could be construed as an obsession with self. Yeah? Could it? So you can't get out of self. There's no way you can get out of what you think you are because you're way down the line of this production. You're, you fell off the conveyor belt. You're, you're a hook, line, and sinker, that which you're not. <laughs> now, that which you're not is never going to find what it is. It just has to see it's not this. Yeah, I am not this product that my mind's producing. It doesn't say, and therefore you're this, this new improved model. No, it's just, it stops right there. So at that point, you're in I don't know, and then what occurs is you find out. And finding out is a much stronger form of knowledge than mental knowing, man. Mental knowing, I've seen people thoroughly convinced and they're unconvinced five minutes later. Because it's a dualistic aspect of mind. You can't convince what can be unconvinced. <laughs> It just doesn't fucking work. But finding out goes to your gut. And in your gut, it can be like an unspoken yes, and then it's a done deal. Yeah? Then there's something that was revealed that never cannot be, unre- never cannot be revealed. Yeah? It's just that's the way it is. Yeah? It becomes, in a sense, an absolute. I'm not that, nor was I that, nor will I ever be that. Yeah? And so the mind comes out of the ass of self, and then you know, what it does, it's like in a, it's been in this mental yoga posture of selfing. It's the only asana in this giant yogic system called self-centeredness. It's, it only has one posture, which is of being absorbed with yourself. <laughs> and then, so what happens is you entertain, hey, I may not possibly be that. What occurs is what's binding you in this posture is interest and attention. Yeah. Now that interest and attention leaves that object of fixation. And I don't know, you'll find out where it goes. But what I recognized was your mind opens up. Yeah. Opens up as as when you were a young kid. Yeah. Opens up to that state of immediacy. Opens up to that state that was prior to when you started thinking you could be somewhere else than where you are. Yeah. All that. It goes back in a sense. It doesn't go back. It's always been available. And then you get established there. I would call centered there instead of self-centered. Yeah. And then life, the exchange and the experience of life changes dramatically, yeah? Because the whole, uh, the whole format is shifted. It leaves self-centeredness and now is in centeredness, yeah? Your interest and attention is being distributed to what is needed by the you and then resting in the I, yeah? And then the me is sort of forgotten, like St. Francis says. It's in self-forgetting that you're reborn, yeah? It's in self-forgetting. Right now, there's the I, let's say, which is awareness or consciousness. There's the you, which is a manifestation here, the body, yeah? And then there's the mental process called me, yeah? 
the me has been sucking up all the attention and interest that could go to the body and that could go to the eye. It's been sucking it up like a black hole. Yeah, most people they're not even they don't even know they're in a body. They have they're in the mental concept of a body. Yeah, which they're trying to improve. They have no idea that of of this nothingness or consciousness because they believe they're the one who is aware. Yeah, so the me has claimed the 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 nature of the eye and claimed the uh, nature of the body and melded it into this weird marriage called me. Yeah, and. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's only one me in this whole world. <laughs> so it's sort of like a bastardization of the fact of oneness, but now you become the living example of oneness. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Jesus. The body can't take all that. It can't. It can't be ridden by the me for long. The me just fucking drives it crazy. Yeah? And the eye, the eye is just the eye. It's always available at all times, but it'll be as if you're a thousand miles away. Yeah? You'll be reading texts from 8,000 years ago trying to get closer to what's available right now. <laughs> the only thing that embarks on a journey is the me. Yeah, that's the only thing. The I ain't going anywhere. And the you follows instructions. So you see that I is there, eh? Consciousness. Do you believe that you're, you are conscious? You as the body? My separate self, when I'm selfing, as you put it, does believe that I'm consciousness in the body. Yes, yes, yeah. And then henceforth, what occurs? Stories about right. you. Yes. Yeah. All riding on the, the horse of consciousness, which it doesn't own, it put like this fake brand on it, this little me, but it's not it. It's not it. Yeah. Consciousness is unwavering, always available at all times. But as soon as it's claimed by us, it becomes uh, like a commodity in a market. I can become more conscious or less conscious, yeah, based on how my stock market's doing, how I'm feeling about myself. Oh, my real, I'm very conscious. I went on a retreat. Yeah. Thank you. Very good. Very good spiritual seeker. But then I leave the retreat, and maybe I look at porn. Oh, no. <laughs> You're very unconscious looking at porn. <laughs> but very conscious. <laughs> Who's playing God there? Your head, eh? <laughs> the selfing. How are you ever going to find, quote-unquote, God when something's playing God? It'll always trump whatever God it finds, because it'll be the bigger God. Yeah? That's what always puts me out. What tells you you're doing good? Is <laughs> <Here's> your head. <laughs> it's the same voice that used to tell me to do another shot. It's the same one. <laughs> yeah, Paul, be great. Shoot some more coke. The cops are right out my door. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. I can kick back. <laughs> yeah, Paul, you're doing really good. You meditated three hours today. Yes, uh, thank you. 
<laughs> Have you ever meditated a long time and then it gets really good? You usually find a reason to get up. Eh? <laughs> so the thing we're hoping to get to, we don't really want to show up there anyway. <laughs> You know, I'm not saying anything bad or good about practices. To me, they're forms of expression of mind, yeah? If mind wants to hide something and then think it finds it in the practice, that's far out. Mind can do anything here. It's dreaming, yes? But in a sense, I find to save yourself time and realize there's no pot of the, on, at the end of the rainbow, you may just enjoy the steps as you're going, yeah? Without this overriding weather front of, I've got to arrive, when's that date going to occur? Maybe you'll just enjoy meditating. It's a nice thing to do. Maybe you'll enjoy doing Tai Chi. Maybe you'll enjoy doing service, yeah? With no agenda whatsoever. It's an impossibility in selfing, because selfing, if you really look at it, you ever hear of, you know, Buddhism, yeah? They talked about suffering is the, the four noble truths, and suffering is the first, yeah? Or the sense of malaise or dissatisfaction. It didn't really... We don't have a, a, we can't really define the word they use, dukkha, you know, but it's, let's say, an overriding sense of ill ease or dissatisfaction. And then he would, then he supposedly said desire is the root of it all, yeah? So desire is the cause of all the suffering. But if you look at this, the mental process of selfing, it has a desire, doesn't it? Its desire is to become a self. It's constantly wanting to be something or not be something it believes it is, doesn't it, all day? So that desire to become, I would say, is one of the first desires. And it can't be fulfilled because you are, you are, you are of a quality already, not of a body. Yeah? So the desire to become can never fulfill itself. So it's an unfulfilled desire. Yeah? That unfulfilled desire produces like an irritability, restlessness, and discontent like unfulfilled desires do, yeah? When you, let's say if you're living during a day and your, your lens is pretty wide, yeah? And then you see something you want, yeah? Doesn't the lens go down and start focusing on that, yeah? And then the not having it produces a disquiet in you, yeah? You're not listening to everyone else as much as you were. You're just focusing across the room at that object or whatever, yeah? You can see it with the simplest desire. You're walking around suddenly, yeah? So, and then what happens is that the distance, the seeming distance from it produces an irritability, restlessness, and discontent. We may be very civilized and we cover it up well by having another coffee or, you know, or rationalizing or excusing it, but there's an, like, I want that, I don't have it. Yeah? Yeah, basically, isn't it? If we were, if all the civilization, societal shit was removed, we'd be really fucking pissed most of the day. If we saw someone with a big car, fuck you. I want that car. You know, really, we would probably. We'd be just freaking ripping Armani suits off of people. I want that Armani suit, but we're conditioned to behave ourselves and sort of distract and, you know, go down, put it down. So let's say there's an initial desire of the mental process, just one little mental process. It's not the whole mind, just one little mental process. But its desire is to become what it calls you. So the interest and attention sort of goes to that theater, yeah? And so it's constantly trying to become you, but it can never be you. It can never be you as a body. So it's unfulfilled. What does that do? It spawns 
desires to get relief from the unfulfillment of that desire, doesn't it? What is, what a, what's all spiritual seeking? Is really a desire to get relief from that unfulfilled desire of becoming a self, literally, and everything else. So all, I would say all addictions stem from this first addiction of the conditional mind to the idea of being a self. Because that addiction can never be fulfilled. It can never be a self because it's something else or nothing else, yeah? Awareness or consciousness. So something that is not a form can't lose the not a formness and become a form completely. It just can't. It has a nature already. So that desire to become is going to be unfulfilled. And what's going to happen? The system is going to answer that siren and try to get pails of water to put out that fire which is what you call, they could turn into addictions, yeah? So one addiction begets other addictions. And now we're trying to get relief from the other addictions, but never looking at the original addiction. That's why the relief from other addictions don't hold much water for many, many people. They don't work because the original addiction keeps demanding relief, yeah? What if you're not that? What if that is just a process of the mind? It doesn't infer you. You're not less than or incomplete. You're not uh, faulty. You're not failed. You're not anything that it tries to promote so that there'll be an urge to be different. Yeah? Maybe you're not that. If you're not that, what would happen? Find out. Yeah? I would say the mind would leave self-centeredness and go to centeredness. And in centeredness, beingness is complete. Yeah? It's whole. It's not of time. It's not attempting to fulfill. It's not attempting to culminate. It's not an attempting to climax into an event. It's already so. So it doesn't need any time to become something because it already is. Yeah? And if it's doing anything here, I would say it's expressing its wholeness, not trying to get wholeness. Yeah? That's the difference in mind. Yeah? If your attention and interest is resting in centeredness, you're going to travel lighter here. Yeah. You're going to be available to others, not out of any choice or decision. That's just going to be the nature of the mind. And if you're available to others, while you're available to others or just available, you're going to sense what's available, which is presence. Yeah. You're going to sense, you can't see the mind or feel it or taste it, but you can sense it. Yeah. You can sense it. And therefore, then the two eyes that are always built and to perceive things, there is also another eye of mind that sees nothing. Yeah? And it doesn't see nothing like an object because it doesn't fall upon an object, but it sees nothing like a sense. Yeah? It senses space and rooms. It senses the space here. It senses the space in its own life. It senses space. It's seeing nothing. And in that, that sense of seeing nothing, it produces an incredible effect on the apparatus. Yeah? The me gets very diminished, the you gets what it needs. Like Jesus says, render unto Caesar's what is Caesar's, yeah? You've got to take attend to the body. Yeah? There's certain demands it has. Yeah? And then the eye, the attention and interest can rest in the eye, and that doesn't mean the attention and interest never leaves that. It means it never leaves that, and it's everywhere that it never leaves. So it goes a lot of places. It's not like concentrating it on this one imaginary nothing point. It's everywhere. So the interest and attention can truly become free range, yeah, without ever losing a sense of its own nature. Because have you seen interest? 
Have you seen attention? Is it a thing? Is a thing doing it? It's moving through maybe a thing, but it's not doing it. Its nature is of no thingness. Yeah? So while it's doing what it's doing, I would say enriching one's life here, it's also going to be resting in what it is or where it comes from because that source of it is everywhere. It can be flying. Yeah. It doesn't have to be cooped up and sit on a sit on a point of 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 awareness. There's all there is is awareness, yeah? Everywhere you are is a point of awareness. Yeah? There doesn't have to why does there have to be a special somewhere and everywhere? Everywhere will do. Anywhere will do. You're located right where you are in the center of everywhere, wherever that is. That to me is freedom. Freedom from the need to be liberated. That's the biggest addiction. People want to get liberated from something today. It's like going to like the I'm telling you, the back door is the entrance. If you keep looking out at the the ocean of bliss, you'll never fucking find this. It's like realizing you're not that. That's the back door entrance, yeah. love to get it across because it was a really trick of mind this incessant urge you know to seek never re- able to rest first of all because it's constricted in time yeah so if you're feeling peace now the mind will be thinking I may not be feeling it later so if you're relying on that mind to be able to enjoy peace it never will because it's of time you know the only place to enjoy peace is of timelessness in timelessness right now that's the only place it's capable of but the mental condition is of time even when we get into that moment that we're so into trying to get into when it's you getting into the moment what that you is bringing is past and future that's what it calls a moment yeah it's just a a place to occupy itself with past and future concerns you can't it's never going to show up without those little uh, accomplices. <laughs> it's never going to be here completely, ever. Because it, what you are is truly here completely. What you're not can never be here completely. Yeah. So I don't know, find out. No, think you found out. It's, have you heard people who think they have it and yet they, they can't come out and really say something's bothering them because they don't want to look like there's a someone there to be bothered and they, they get into this huge convoluted gymnastics instead of just saying, I feel fucked today. You know, it'd be much cleaner. You know what I mean? It's not you that feels fucked, so feel fucked. Why is it that I'm, there's no you so I shouldn't be feeling fucked anymore? But they're feeling fucked, you can see it. They don't feel good, they're bummed out. But they just refuse to just land on there and say, hey, I'm bummed out. Yeah. That was never happening until this information started getting disseminated. This not being a you. You can see how mind uses everything, doesn't it? It just clams onto something and it's just like, it's like trying to paste nothingness on a big picture, you know. Have you seen it? I have. People call me up all the time and... They just—they're beating around the bush. They won't—they don't, they don't want to say 
they'll ask me a real esoteric question. I want to, and they like demand me to on an email demand me to answer. I'd like to have an answer to this. And they say, I say, you know, I say no, you know, whatever, you know. And then it's like, and then if you listen to them for five minutes, they get to the real rub. You know, I've been drinking a lot. <laughs> oh fuck it. Oh, five minutes of philosophical bullshit to get to what seems to be so. Let it be so. It's not so. Let it be so. Yeah? If it's not so, why are you so hell-bent on making it not so? Just let it be as so as it wants to be. So you get your immediate need at that time. It doesn't make you anything. Yeah? It doesn't make you one who needs help. It just, at that point, help was needed. Fuck it. Take it. Yeah? It's like a pride, yeah? A pride of of understanding that doesn't hold any water. Yeah? It's not serving. It's not serving people. They feel like the you should feel like a non-you or something. It's always going to be feel like a you. That's, it. That's its conditioning. That's what it's been built for. It's not built to feel like a non-you. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's totally built to feel like a you. Just see that you're not that. But for that to shift and feel like a non-you is just another subtle aspect of feeling like you. Yeah, it just goes on and on. Self can't get out of self. Any questions today? No. <laughs> well, I out of the cell, by the cell, it becomes the main obstacle because that's what keeps you locked in the cell. Um, I find that the same thing applies with um, things as they are. You know, whatever is happening right now, to the extent that I uh, don't like it, I would prefer it to be different, a little warmer, a little colder, whatever. It, it's kind of rejection of what is also keeps me stuck in what is, whereas complete acceptance of whatever it is, even feeling fucked, if you will, or, or whatever, you know, is really the freedom from it. Uh, and it goes not only with me, but with the situation as such, you know, as it goes on. So, uh, and... Um, well, let me add one thing. Yeah. In, uh, in the level of acceptance, that can be your rejection of it, too. That can also be accepted. Yeah? It's right, just right, that right, there right, isn't right. any one that's rejecting it. There's right. just a rejection of it. That's part and parcel of what's arising. Right. But it's not you. As soon as it becomes you, then that becomes the fixed point. Yeah? And that's where acceptance always ends, and that's not acceptance to me. There's got to be in the acceptance of the appearance of you also. Yeah? The a-you, uh, the a-you, the appearance of a-you. Yes? Because a lot of days, I'm not, my mind's not in acceptance. I go to the beach and the waves are small. I'm not in acceptance. I want those waves to be bigger. Yeah? But there's no me there. That's the point to me. It's not about any training of, this, of the you. It needs basic training. Like, see, I wasn't civilized. That's why I had to spend two years in a drug and alcohol program. I was like a rabid dog. Yeah? So they had to put me 